muy lindo en Instagram lo que posteas. Para que yo vea. Para que yo vea. Maluma Baby. Ok, cool. Hi, hello and welcome. God, why do I sound like a porn actress? What the fuck? Hi guys, I've been drinking. <laughs> Not gonna lie, let me straight up tell you what the situation is. I'm gonna post a video below. <laughs> Not on me drunk, it has a point. There's a point to my drinking, okay? Because it's like not, not to begin, not to start a therapy session. But right now in my life, I need a point for everything, you know? I need a point to be married. I need a point to drink. I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm not at uni. I don't just drink for no reason. Well, now that that's off my chest, the, the song that I've been <laughs> trying to sing in the beginning is Hawaii by Maluma, if you are not aware and want to know because I got you into it. <laughs> For some reason, somehow, you can't sing my, you can't sing the shit. Hi, hello. You're not lost. You have been found. This is the podcast that you have clicked on. This is still the same podcast, okay? It's by all means necessary. I'm Maya. I just sound a bit, <laughs> a bit slow-mo when I drink. Back home, we say that alcohol touches you and it's kind of inappropriate to say that here. But yeah, I, I really feel that expression, okay? Alcohol touches you. It touches your soul. It touches your heart. And it's definitely necessary for this week's episode because Maya, in her brilliant mind, has decided, yeah, talk about yourself in like a third person, like you're a child <laughs> that has done something bad. It's like, no, it's your child. Yeah, you know what your child Maya has done? Yeah, guess what? She <laughs> has, for this month, wanted to take black victims and then just escalate the cases. So this week is going to be like 20 times worse than last week. And then... The last case of the month is gonna be, like, somehow even worse than that. Let me not spoil that, but yeah. So, this week I'm talking about a case that is so bad, so bizarre, so interesting, and yet nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. I'm like, what the fuck, America? It's really rare that somebody hits me with, like, a massacre and I have never heard about it. Like, or, you know, I hear something on a podcast, I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck? It's like, when it's an event. It's like multiple hundreds of people have died. You would be like, oh yeah, you know, Second World War, Nazi Germany. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't even go there. But you get what I mean. You're like, yep, of course I would know of such an event. No, I can bet that I'm not the only one that has never heard about this. Right, America? Right. I'm talking about Tulsa Race Massacre, which you probably know because you've seen it in the title. Cool. Let's go. I actually realized while researching this and have hit up my colleague at work with a really weird question because she's from Oklahoma. And I was like, hey, so I realized I know a person from Oklahoma. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, I don't usually hit you up, but listen, what do you know about Tulsa Race Massacre? I was like, is it being talked about? You know, do you hear people talk about it on the streets? And she's just like, yeah, there's a whole deal with that. And basically, no. But when they do, they, they refer to it as a Tulsa riot. Just to cover up the fact that, you know, it's to deal with race, because riot sounds like, oh my god, somebody has rioted and then they have died due to the riot, when that's totally not what the fuck happened. A bit of a background. So we are placing ourselves after World War One in the neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Greenwood. And this was actually one of the wealthiest black communities' neighborhood. It was actually called Black Wall Street. 
However, of course, because white people are the worst, they cannot let black people have it. This area was actually really famous for the segregation. So basically, white against the black, and white people were like, well, why the fuck are these people so successful? Because we're pieces of shit. And of course, because of the civil rights lacking in the area, what it allows to happen is for a supremacist group to arise. And this was when the birth of KKK has happened. It's prime time for KKK. And actually, in the 1920s, the KKK membership exceeded 4 million people nationwide. Like, that's just insane, especially for 1920s. Like, how do you even preach? How do you even reach out to that many people? So no civil rights, segregation, KKK is on the rise, Tulsa is a booming oil city. Of course, black people couldn't actually vote, so regardless of them actually having just a bit of fucking success, just a bit of fucking success, why can I not say success? (laughs) What the fuck is my problem? Just having those booming businesses, there was a law that still mandated racial segregation. So let's say your neighborhood had three quarters of it that were white, a black person couldn't live there. Like, how fucking insane is that? But, going to 1921, when this takes place, due to all of this, crime rates were high. White people were obviously more believed than blacks, and vigilante justice was not uncommon at all. In fact, it was kind of like a rule. So, speaking of then, obviously you conclude Tulsa was also really segregated, and Greenwood was mostly populated by black people. As I mentioned, it was called Black Wall Street. So now it's time to dive into the core of this case. It all started with a black man walking into the elevator with a white woman inside. Over the 18-hour period on May 31st to June the 1st, 1921, a white mob attacked residents, homes and businesses in the predominantly black Greenwood neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This event still remains one of the worst incidents of racial violence in the US history that nobody talks about, where the number of deaths have been covered up for a century by all means necessary. What was the motive behind Tulsa race massacre? You know what, I've I've accidentally played the first episode that I've ever done once the podcast was still called Motive and I literally started being like, hi, I'm Maya, this is Motive, let's just dive straight in. Like a fucking psychopath, who the fuck does this? Like no background, no like, oh, hi, welcome, how you doing? Have you been? No, psycho. Well, not this time. <laughs> this time I gave you a fucking background. I should do this more often. I should do this like every 50 episodes, let's say, you know, episode 50. Well, I've started early, it's like episode 32. But you know what I mean? Like episode 50, I get fucking drunk. Episode 100, I get high and drunk. Oh boy, I would not be able to record. Trust, trust a bitch. Okay. So I know you were saying it in your head as I was telling you the blurb of the video. This all happened because of a Karen. Yes, yes, it did. The young black teenager named Dick Rowland entered the elevator in this office building of the South Main Street. And at some point, the young white elevator operator, you know how in those times they had those people who were like, oh my god, you enter, yeah, and then they bow to you like you're fucking royalty. So her name was Sarah Page, and she just screamed. She just continued screaming, making a fucking panic attack out of nothing. 
it would later be confirmed that he either like stepped on her foot or whatever. It just literally didn't do fuck all to her, but she just screamed. So Roland, as every especially imagine the time, even now, somebody black or white would just probably run and be like, what the fuck is happening? Like you're gonna get me in trouble for no reason. So of course he ran, and the police were called. And then there are different sources that say different things. So I believe in the second part. Okay, listen. So one source say that immediately, like, this white mob, you know, the police, the military, everybody was just, like, on it. They went to search for Roland and, like, every, they put everything into action. The second part says that Tulsa Tribune published this story. And, well, there was, like, a story published. So I think, like, that's more what has caused this, just because, like, now it's in the media. Now somebody has to act out on it. You know it. Journalism is how it works. <laughs> So proud to have that degree. Okay, so whichever story you prefer to believe, during that next day, it has spread, it has circulated through the city's white community. And that front page of Tulsa Tribune has actually claimed that Roland has raped Sarah Page. You know, just as you would in the fucking elevator in the public building. Yep, no evidence. Yeah, let's just spread gossip, let's just spread bullshit. So the police goes and arrests Roland. And now, because this is again 1920s, we've done the cases in Texas and like weird shits where people just think like, yeah, they can demand justice. So the white mob just goes to the police station, just demands the police to hand over Roland to them, for them to handle it, for them to take out their justice onto Roland. To the point that this is actually that many people that could have overpowered them. So the sheriff actually had to refuse and to barricade the top floor to protect this black teenager. And around 9 p.m. on that day, the group of 25 armed black men, including many World War I veterans, went to the courthouse to offer help carding Roland. So after the sheriff turned them away, some of the white mob tried, unsuccessfully so, to break into the National Guard armor nearby. And now obviously because this fucking Tulsa Tribune and everybody is starting rumors, you know how rumors go, come on, I taught you, I'm the gossip girl, yeah? It goes correctly to the next person, then they kind of twist it around to make it more interesting. By the time it reaches the 10th person, it's totally a fucking completely different story. So of course, in this case, rumors flying around are of possible lynching, where this has not been confirmed. It was the punishment for such a crime during that period. So, the black men of the time go back to protect Roland, so they're basically just barricading the place in front of the police station, while the white mob is there, some of them carrying weapons. So now it's like 75 armed black men there, compared to 1,500 white men. Hmm, not, not really fair, is it? But now what happens, well, what they say is like actually, you know, the... The straw that broke, broke camel's back. Why the fuck is that an expression? Anyways, that's the story for another mini-sode of True Crime Terminology Corner, whatever I named it. Sick. Yeah, sweet. Because during this confrontation, a white man is killed. Obviously, this is what actually ignites this whole riot slash massacre, let's call it, for what it actually is. This is when shots get fired, chaos breaks out, and the outnumbered party of the black man actually retires to Greenwood. Of course, this is not where it ends, because white people are angry and fucked up in their head. According to the 2001, just note the year already, commission report, a white man tried to grab a black man's gun, the gun went off, and the white mob just spread out through the streets of downtown Tulsa, shooting black people on sight, just because, revenge, they're like, no, this is not fair, because, you know, 
one of them was shot compared to the person that's in prison that doesn't matter that's not fair so what ensued was tunnel shooting of unarmed men in movie theater it's like all of these local places like post offices just on the streets anywhere and everywhere going people's houses because again the fear and how we other people is just was just so influential Obviously, they have believed, there was this false belief that a large-scale insurrection among blank Tulsans is underway, that they're gonna start this riot against them, but like, they haven't. So, how are you justifying it? You get what I mean? God, they shouldn't be drinking. And then, of course, the hysteria develops, because now the gossip has reached, like, a thousand percent, and you know what that means. It's not just that these black people are going to try to retaliate, it's now, no, 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 they're gonna seek help from nearby towns, with like another large african-american population oh my god god forbid there's gonna be even more black people here now trying to riot let's protect ourselves and by protect i mean not protect but like let's just jump the gun and actually just like start firing and killing people just because they might do this and the white mob was obviously not in on it by itself the police actually instructed to quote get a gun out and get a nigger End quote. So now they get a backup of the National Guard to subdue the rioters. Aren't you the ones rioting? I'm sorry, but like, how has this been twisted this much out of proportion? You are the ones rioting towards people that are basically just protesting. So, what? Now this kind of, in my eyes, from what I've read, becomes like an organized mission. The police is in on it, the white mob is in on it, the National Guard, then the military, because the planes get involved as well. And it's kind of like a tactical mission. It's technically a war for them. And the National Guard actually goes out, so like, there are people killing people, while the National Guard is going out and arresting and rounding up like numerous black people and taking them to the convention hall on this Brady Street, just basically detaining all of them. While that is happening, this is why I think it's really tactical, because the white mob is stopping firefighters from reaching the burning neighborhood. Why the neighborhood is burning? It's gunfire, but it's also the planes. So the, like, the planes are technically releasing the bombs onto like the black businesses. Literally, they were just aiming for like every single black business in Greenwood, because they were like, no, this is Black Wall Street, this is booming businesses, no, this is how we attack them, this is how we get them. Fuckers. I worked, okay, I need, I need the, like, sideline. I need my personal story, personal godmother story. I worked with this woman. <laughs> I'm gonna remind you now when I said fuckers in a really angry way. Because I can say fuckers in, like, a really happy way. Like, you know, when I say bye fuckers. So, I worked with this woman for, like, Lola's Cupcakes ages ago. It wasn't there ages ago, but, like, yeah, it still was, like, seven, eight years ago. Okay, cool. Not important. And she was like, why do you say bitch in like so many different ways? Like, how do you do it? And I just looked at her like, bitch, bitch. Like, <laughs> what is not clear? <laughs> Literally, just say things in different intonations, you know? You can say a, f- a sentence that ends up as a sentence. It ends up as like, as an affirmative. And then you can say it, and it can be a question, you dumb bitch. Okay, go now. <laughs> And then this continued, so over these two days, so between the 31st and the 1st, the mobs of white people both looted and set fire to African-American businesses and homes. So it's not just like businesses, no, we're attacking you personally. Let the people live. And the problem with this, well, if, if you thought this was bad, a lot of them were actually World War One veterans, so they knew how to use firearms, they knew how to set fires, they basically knew how to attack, so this was quite tactical and quite planned. 
So according to the Red Cross estimate, about 1,256 houses were burned. 215 others were looted but not torched. So what they destroyed was two newspapers, school, library, a hospital, churches, hotels, stores, and just many other businesses and homes that were black-owned. Isn't this the fucking wildest story that you haven't heard much about or anything about? By the time the National Guard and uh, this governor actually decided like, oh, let's declare martial law, let's call it quits, huh? It's, it's been enough, it's been two days, we've burned enough, idiots. Around 6,000 people were, were under armed guard at these local fairgrounds. So let's go and discuss the aftermath because as you might tell, this is gonna have some consequences. And by consequences, I mean consequences for the black people, the community, everybody whose lives have been ruined. Of course, it doesn't mean consequences for the white people. Fuck no, of course not. In the hours after the Tulsa race massacre, all charges, all charges against Dick Rowland were dropped. And the police was like, oh yeah, he probably just stumbled into Paige or just stepped on her foot. To speak of guilt, speak of the guilt. Just imagine you being in that position, being like, oh cool, you're free to go. Yeah, no charges pressed against you. But yeah, during the time that you have been here, we have kind of killed like hundreds of people and there's technically a war outside and you don't have nowhere to go. But yeah, you're welcome. Go get out of the fucking police station. Fuck this. He reportedly left Tulsa and never returned, which, I mean, I don't blame him for it. Also, I don't... It's, as I'm mentioning, like, it's just the guilt you must feel. You're like, yep, you were just there, chilling in prison, not knowing what's gonna happen with your life, while hundreds of people have been dying. At that point, the Oklahoma Bureau... Um, Bureau what, what's the word? How do you pronounce the word? Anyways. Of vital statistics. Yep, that's a thing. Officially recorded 36 people dead. Mm-hmm. Now... <laughs> 2001, remember that state commission? Examination of these events was able to confirm 36 dead, so they stuck to that number. 26 of them black and 10 white. But historians and people who are not about the cover-up life actually estimate that the death toll might be as high as 300. So even if we are counting it just as the low estimate, this massacre still stands as one of the deadliest ones in US history. Not to mention the losses of about 191 businesses, a junior high school, so of course, like now the kids, the black kids don't have where to go to school either, churches, which were again there to bond the community of the black people, and the hospital in the district. The Red Cross reported 1,256 houses were burned, and another 215 were looted but not burned. And then the Tulsa Real Estate Exchange estimated that property losses amounted to 1.5 million in real estate and 750,000 in personal property, which would be equivalent of a total of 32 million in 2019. The Red Cross estimated 10,000 people, mostly black, were made homeless by this destruction. But of course, those are just some stats. That's not all at all. Because now, when you're thinking about the businesses, when you're thinking about the repercussions of that, well, Guess what? What happened to the land? Well, there's been this because, again, the laws work to, you know, go against the poor and prevent the rich. So the people in the government have established this fire code and that prevented these businesses from resurfacing. So they couldn't, like, reopen the businesses. They couldn't just recover. And this reconstruction committee, as they call it, um, wanted the black community to sign off their properties so that they can build this large central depot instead of their fucking businesses. 
it's that way you know like when you have like worked for a really shitty customer service you know like me and then you're kind of understaffed and shit and then you just push people towards just canceling or just stopping messaging you because you can't deal with it because you're not you don't have enough cover the business is shit or the app is shit or something and then you just work towards pushing other people to give up technically so that's technically what was happening here they're like oh yeah so basically there's this fire code but it's all gonna be fine you just need to sign off these businesses because technically you can't reopen because you know we are powerful and we are gonna open something different here you might notice by now that i'm not mentioning names beyond dick roland and sarah page karen because there were no charges of white people I read of a case, like I read in one article, there was this cop that was brought to court, but again, there was never like mention of his charges. It was like, oh yeah, we're definitely holding him accountable and then nothing happened out to it. What else I find super interesting and like, again, why you probably haven't heard about Tulsa Race Massacre or haven't heard much about it, well, that's because that was intentional. So why I find this interesting is because it's a news blackout. So remember Tulsa Tribune? Well, they have removed that story from the front page of like oh, yeah this is bizarre now this is gonna make us look bad plus it's gonna make this thing like exist in the world and we we don't really want that so for decades there were no public ceremonies memorials for the dead or just any fucking efforts to commemorate these events instead there was just pretty much just deliberate efforts to cover everything up not just that this front story was removed, but the scholars later discovered that the police and the militia archives about the riot were also missing. They were just like, oh, the police was like, no, we don't have a count of that. What, what you mean we arrested like hundreds of people? And now we kind of come to the story of how I heard about this. Well, two things. Due to Black Lives Matter, this kind of popped back into the public presence because, well, here in the UK, again, now when I go and sign petitions on change.org, which you should definitely do as well, at least, you know, if you can't donate, sign fucking petitions. <laughs> here being like a white bitch telling you what to do. But while I was looking into this, I've seen like a lot of things due to Black Lives Matter about like, hey, teach this in schools. And then in the US, this is the version of that. It's like nobody's teaching it. It's not part of the curriculum. Well, actually, let me correct myself. It wasn't part of the curriculum until the fall this year, 2020. We're talking a century, a century and a one, like over, over a century. That now it's like, oh no, we're gonna include it in the curriculum. It's gonna be in full though, but you know, probably they're gonna probably invent some shit. Like, oh yeah, it's like we have passed this now, we're teaching online, so it doesn't have to be. You know, they're gonna come up with some fucking bullshit. And the second part of how I found about this, I actually found this story online about people digging graves. And then I found like a Facebook page called 1921 Graves. Yeah, I went deep on this one. Okay. I went proper like watching people, like watching videos of people digging graves. I'm disturbed for life. This is why I'm drinking, okay? And this is just how recent, just to tell you how recent I'm talking about. This was July. This is why I'm doing this now, because like I have literally read this like a week ago while i was researching this they still haven't made the conclusions and then they have like a few days ago and the conclusions obvious is that they haven't found anything there were no anomalies in the ground which would mean that the earth was disturbed so it's like yep no nothing is disturbed here nothing happened here there were no evidence of human remains in this excavation area so main findings included mostly debris and artifacts some of which do date back to 1920s, so still, they can't really erase it from history, but they're just like, oh yeah, there's no humans here. 
well, like, they have been buried somewhere, and it's clearly unmarked graves because they don't have their place in the cemetery because we don't know any names, so where the fuck are they then? So they found a bullet, two pairs of shoes, and a few bottles and other artifacts that would place them to the 1920s. But it's just, like, it again just super smells of cover-up. It's like, like, how long can we push this for? Because the main problems here now are that, well, I have read in one article, I think I put it here, Yep, that the city officials cleansed the history books so thoroughly that then there was this lawyer who was called Nancy Feldman from Illinois that actually started teaching her students about, you know, this Tulsa massacre because she was teaching them at the University of Tulsa. And they didn't believe her that this existed. Like, this is what happens. This is what happened. We just ignored the part of history. Just, like, re- neglected this fucking happened because now there's no news about it. It's not in history books. It's not a curriculum. It's not compulsory to learn about it. For something, for an event of this size, usually, like, when I research, I have at least six articles open at a time. And then, like, if that doesn't give me enough information, I open, like, another six. This is literally, like couple of google pages and then it becomes like super repetitive it's just the same details and there's like one article about these graves being dug that's not normal for an event of this size not to mention that for these kind of massacres you would have people covering it in youtube is like you would have documentaries on it you would have movies made with like famous people on it nope not here and another problem with neglecting it for a whole fucking century is that then guess what? Then you don't have witnesses to testify either because they have either died or it's just like if they have passed that information, then it's secondary information because it's passed on to grandchildren and children. I'm sorry if I sound insane. I'm probably talking like 100, 100 miles an hour. But this case is just, oh my God, it's just a nail to the coffin. What also it allows for is that the death toll is, is disputed. So remember the 36 and 26 black, 10 white, that was confirmed for 1921 records. Well, in 2001 commission, when they were doing their investigation, there was 39 confirmed, 75 to 100, to 150 to 300 estimated. That doesn't make any sense, does it? 19 years after that, they're like, oh yeah, let's actually dug these graves and see like if there are people in there to confirm these death tolls. Are we okay? I put in this fucking script, Corona is bad, but people are worse. Truly, truly, my Corona is bad, but people are worse and they do worse things and they have guns. So you, I know, I hear your burning questions like, Maya, did something good happen after this? Did somebody get something in restitution? Kind of. It's pathetic. Okay. So in 1997, the Stalsa Race Riot Commission was formed to investigate the massacre and just formally document the incident because it hasn't happened since then. It's 1997 by now. Mm-hmm. Totally not like decades have passed. So the commission suggested that the state of Oklahoma pays $33 million in restitution. Some of it to 121 surviving victims uh, who they managed to locate. But no legislative action like took place, so they kind of didn't have to own up to it. Until 2002, where there's this cool picture online of five grannies, okay? You know how much I love grandparents. So, five badass granny survivors just filed a suit against the state, and they were like, listen, you fucking need to own up to this. And 
Yeah, they were rejected due to statutory limitations. Remember that? Yeah. Remember the thing when they rape you and then you have like only a couple of months or like a year to report it? Mm-hmm. Statutory limitations. And this was by that point an eight-year-old case. So nobody wins. Say it with me. Nobody wins. Due to the noise that they have raised, actually, in April 2002, this private religious charity, uh, they're called Tulsa Metropolitan Ministry, paid a total of 28000 to survivors. So this is a little bit more than like $200 each using these funds that they have raised privately because, again, nobody cares about this. It's like something positive, but then what the fuck can you do? You can burn $200 in 10 minutes. So, again, trying to see the positive, trying to see what came out of it. So, since 2009, it's included in Oklahoma history books. 2009, you heard that right. And the Race Riot Commission was renamed in 2018 to Race Massacre Commission. So, they're like, okay, we're not hiding. We hide the name again. Oh, and the kicker, the kicker is that they have dedicated a park. You heard that right. People are going to go to a park to, like, commemorate people. Are you okay? In 2010, not even like 1921, no, they're like, oh, there's a park. Shut the fuck up, you have a park now, you have a memorial. It's like weird flags, but Okla, you know? You get it? Because it's in Oklahoma. God, this is like the worst joke I have ever made. Oh God, I need another sip of this drink. And as I mentioned, it's only this year, in fall, hopefully, maybe, somehow, that is becoming the part of Oklahoma school curriculum. Now I put in the script, this is truly, like, it's not even laughing matter, but, like, do you understand how crazy this is? This is the case, but do you, do you understand how crazy this is? If there was a serial killer who have just, during two days, killed 300 people, you would not hear the end of it. There is every podcast, it is every news station, literally there would be, like, amber alerts for this person everywhere out there. Like, you wouldn't hear the end of it. He would be worse than, like, how people talk about fucking Ted Bundy. But this just hushed for a century under the carpet are you okay this is why i'm drinking this is why i'm drinking that's pretty much the case i had like this whole paragraphs just explaining the background which i kind of mentioned in the beginning to give you the idea to just place you in there like give you the idea of what was happening at the time and it just kind of just breaks it down even more but it's even just more sad so fuck that let's just skip for that and let's just discuss the motives behind this case straight up racism that's it just straight up racism also combined with othering and just like showing how some people are less human than the than the other yeah remember that remember how many multiple times in history that has happened and it has led to nothing good and it has led us to justifying that but here i have never heard of a case where it was just this propaganda and this fucking bullshit this hysteria spreading has just resulted in a hundred years of cover-up it's like how many times during this episode am i gonna say are we okay can we just do better can we not cover up an event for 100 years due to racism and then make it appear for like a week during black lives matter and then again forget about it like <laughs> it's it's fine we have tried we have tried you we have dug up the graves what else do you want us to do Oh, just fucking do better, just improve everything. Have news stations cover it. Actually interview other people. Find out the actual death toll. Dug up more fucking grounds. Actually give people some money in restitutions that is probably owed to their like great-grandparents by this point. God, this case riles me up so badly. It's just so bizarre that you never hear about this shit. 
And I'd like to tell you, I'd like to sit here and tell you like how far we have come, you know, it's like, oh my god, no, listen, but 2020, we're doing so much better, are we? <laughs> we are not. Like, look what's happening in the world, we are not. It's like the shit that was happening during my great-grandma's time. While, like, she tells me about this bullshit, I'm like, yep, that's exactly what's happening in the world right now, grandma. So yeah, that was pretty much insane in the brain. And that's the story and that's the saddest case of Tulsa Race Massacre. I mean, obviously I could have taken it very much political, but I'm not into politics, so I know about that whole thing that Trump has had his rally there and like there was for a particular reason, because, you know, white supremacy, all that this year. But again, I don't know much about politics, so I'm not going to sit here and be like bullshitting about left-wing, right-wing, whatever it is. And tell you how politically incorrect this is when I don't know first thing about politics. I actually want you to hit me up on the socials, that BAM pod everywhere, except Facebook, or podbam at gmail.com. Like, letting me know, did you ever hear about this story? Or, like, if you are actually from Oklahoma, like, what kind of stories circulate in your area? Especially if you are from Greenwood. What kind of stories circulate there? Like, did people ever talk about this? Is it in your curriculum? Is it actually going to be in the fall's curriculum? Do people tell you about it in history class? Or do they just hush over it? Because that, that would be like super interesting to know. Like how much of this is actually coverable? Like are there actually people out there trying to make this story current? Trying to actually tell you about what has happened in 1921? I would like to tell you that today's mini is going to be like a highlight of your day. And it's going to be such a positive story. But boy... <laughs> I always try to match them up and um, yeah, I definitely did. I didn't even make as many notes here because I know of this story and it's truly one of those stories that haunts me at night. You know, if you ever see me like tweeting at 3 in the morning, it is because of this. So we are on brand with a, you know, series of minis on haunted places. And today we are going to LaLaurie House in New Orleans. Some people say New Orleans, some say New Orleans. People from New Orleans, tell me how you say it. God, I'm drunk. Okay. If you are familiar with the story, well, you're either really deep into true crime, in which case I respect you and also you're probably as disturbed as I am right now because this story is in your head. Or you liked American Horror Story because the plot of Coven is actually covering, kind of, actually based on the true events from this story. Quickly, you can kind of go... To have a tour if you're in New Orleans, but it's kind of more like of those bus or walking tours where you just pass this building because there are people living inside. You can't actually go inside. But its history is that it was home to serial killer Madame Delphine Lallerie, or whatever you pronounce it. Pronounce it as you want. I just like to pronounce it Lallerie, but she was a bitch. She has actually used this whole building as a torture chamber for slaves. That's what we're all about. Yep. That was between 1831 and 1834, just so you don't think it was like yesterday, but still, still, equally haunting. This story is graphic, okay? If you can't handle graphic shit, please escort yourself out this one, you know, speed up to the last three minutes of the episode. Or I'll see you next time. It's fine. You don't have to live with this. It's on me, okay? I will not sleep tonight. It's fine. So, her victims are still said to haunt this property to this day, and passerbys would say that they hear, like, loud shouts, moans, weeping, and some say that they can even see ghostly faces from the windows upstairs. But what I didn't know about this story is that this was never stopped from, like, wealthy people from buying it. Nicolas Cage, remember him? He bought a house in 2007 because, this is his quote, 
he thought <laughs> he would he figured out it would be a good place in which to write the great American horror novel. So he got it for 3.45 million. And well, why we don't know who owns it now is because we didn't know that Nicolas Cage owned it then. Like it's you know NDA's protection reasons. So we have only found out once he actually spoke about this. I just love this article. This is one article firing shots at Nicolas Cage. I'm like, what has he done to you? It's like it is also true that he managed his money as well as he acts and no longer owns the house. Like, okay, okay, says yes, shit. Okay, the graphic part comes now. Okay, this is just from my head because I couldn't read and again about this case. I've heard about it a few times. So, what has actually happened? Why do people say that there are others, you know, who have lived, that there are slaves that are haunting this place? Is because what happened is the most morbid thing you will hear about. So, this bitch, Valerie, right? She would take these slaves in and then she used to torture them in the most bizarre ways. So, some things that I remember... The most famous one um, is that she used to... God, this is so hard. So this goes beyond what you would consider torture, okay? So she used to break bones of a human and then place them so that they resemble like a crab. Yep, you heard that right. And this is like she and whoever was like whoever else was involved actually used to um, torture people as much as possible while they were still alive. So a lot of these acts were prolonged torture before they would finally just die out. She also used to do these experiments where she would open up people's heads and then have like a spoon nearby to stir their brains. I don't understand. I genuinely don't either. Oh, and the kicker is basically how they found out about this whole thing is that one of the slaves actually was to have allegedly set the fire to the place because to like unravel all of these horrid, horrid fucking conditions. And this is when the police entered and discovered all of these people with just like brains open, dead, in like horrible conditions, looking like crabs, looking like different people, assortments of bones, with like bones assorted differently chained to different parts of the house. It was said like the cook that was the slave actually just set a fire in the house to just unravel this to the public. And Lowry, she has never been caught. She has actually fled and left the country, I think, for France or whatever. But yeah, she has fled. She has probably then changed identity or whatever because it was super easy in the 1830s, right? And yep, yeah, was never found. She got away with it. Sometimes I just don't believe in justice, you know? But yeah, I do believe that people get to haunt you forever until there's some justice and you make good decisions. Oh, also, I almost forgot because she was such a psychopath. Just, you know, if you had like a, a little tiny bit of mercy. Basically, the slaves would try to escape or try to get sold off to like other masters or whatever. And then her family members would buy them off and then bring them back to this fucking torture chamber again. But just today has been heavy... And then what I found on this Ghost City Tours website is that uh, basically there was this medium who has stayed for a night at the place before it was sold. And she said she has experienced such a heavy emotion. And she sent, uh, she sensed the spirit of a young boy who liked to play pranks on the living and the spirit of this little girl who was just often nervous. But she has also said that the spirits have left the house so that whatever happened there with Lori does not visit the house any longer. Which, you know, people who are into haunting and stuff like don't truly believe. But then I suppose 
that might be the truth because well there are people living there right now and they're not you know reporting any scandalous shit or maybe they have signed an NDA and they can't fucking Nicolas Cage until he actually moved out and he was like yeah I'll live there listen also he hasn't actually reported that he was you know usually in those haunting experiences people report that they have either been like attacked by the ghosts or like scratched or screamed or just it's usually like something physical they alert you of their presence and in this case just doesn't seem to have happened but I mean I might not believe in ghosts and such experiences well maybe because I've never stayed in a haunted place but I kind of believe in like bad energy places and this definitely does not sound like a place you would want to buy for millions of dollars as well. Like, what the fuck is your problem? So yeah, uh, in this research I've read some things on TripAdvisor and there are people like super gutty that they can't actually go into the house. I'm like, really? You want this upon yourself? Are these your fucking choices? Like, uh, I just, you know, nobody told me I can't go into the house. We just ride by a fucking bus. Like, how underwhelming. Chill. Chill. Okay. A chill pill. You don't want to go inside, okay? Bad things happen inside. Sobermeyer here. Put you through a ride, haven't I? First of all, it was super depressing, but also, I don't know why, but I think that when I'm drunk, <laughs> when I'm recording in the drunk mode, which only happened once, because as I told you, I need purposes to be drunk. I don't know how dare those podcasters, you know, like whine and crime, and that's why we drink. All those podcasters just fucking get wasted and record cases. For me, that would be a mess. Because when I'm in that drunken mood, I think that I'm speaking really fast. <laughs> Do you know, like, when you're high and you're like, I sound so deep right now. Mm-mm. And everybody around that person is like, you're about 50 times slower. So yeah, I really listened to some parts. I was like, oh my god, that was manic, right? People are playing me at like 0.5 speed. Probably not. I've really listened to the Lalori story and that is not how we end the episodes here. Okay, so in my spare time, as you know, I research about fairy tales. It's a passion of mine. It's totally normal. It's a healthy passion. Some people have passion about miniatures. They do puzzles. I research fairy tales. <laughs> she says soberly. So there is one fairy tale that I have not told you about. How dumb of me. By the way, if you listen to the podcast just for these little bits, I'm gonna put a video below <laughs> of like me covering these fairy tales on YouTube, like as you know, as a bunch of them as clusters, because I'm again super passionate about fairy tales <laughs> and ruining them for you, ruining them for you. That's what I'm passionate about. But yeah, if you literally just tune in for these mini stories, wow, what a fucking hero! First of all. <laughs> That's some commitment, you know, speeding up for the video just to come to that part. But yeah, but yes, I respect you. Listen, the, the telenovela that I haven't covered, the fairy tale that I haven't covered yet. Do, 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 drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll moment. Snow White! So the story that you know and love is heavily focused on a mirror on the wall. So there's this queen that is like a petty fucking bitch and she's like, who is the prettiest of them all? And then she's the prettiest all the way until, well, her stepdaughter, you know, is kind of of age. And she's super jealous of this now because reasons. <laughs> These fucking fairy tales needed some reasoning. And that was apparently an adequate enough of a reason. It's like, no, 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 I'm petty, but yeah, I'm jealous of my own fucking stepdaughter. I, is she going to be a competition? What, what is the competition even? So she sends this hench- so she sends this henchman to kill 
her stepdaughter, logically, logically. But this guy basically just tells her the plan in the forest and lets her go and then brings like a pig's heart or whatever to the queen. But because nobody knows about this mirror, right? Nobody knows that this mirror is fucking magical. So the very next day, this queen asks the mirror again, like, hey, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the pettiest of them all? And the mirror is like, still you, bitch, still you. But I think you wanted to ask who is the prettiest and that is still the Snow White. Mm. And she's like, I'm gonna finish her off myself. And in the meantime, you know, Snow White has a different plot where she comes up to this like house of silent words. You know, be too false, be too finest. Okay, it's one of my favorite words in Spanish. Anyways, doesn't matter doesn't matter to the story. So she's there, right? And they're like, yeah, you can stay in this house, but yeah, can you just be a maid for us? And she's like, okay, cool, fuck it, better then than being killed, right? No, because she's a gullible little shit. So to kill her, this stepmother is now fucking transfiguring herself into a bunch of fucking Halloween costumes. And she's every day at the door like, hey, how you doing, girl? Look at this, I have this comb for you. And then she's like, let me try comb her hair. And every single item is like poison. So it's like a comb and then a scarf and then finally like an apple. But yeah, all of these items before that apple make Snow White just faint. And you know, she just wakes up and is like, okay, cool. Yeah, I just collapsed for no reason. Maybe these dwarves are impregnating me. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I just watched too many telenovelas. But yeah, finally she takes a bite out of the apple because this bitch just offered her one apple. It's like, what kind of salesman are you? Like, why not offering, you know, apples are offered usually in pieces or kilograms. Why are we offering this bitch like one apple? It's a plot, okay? It's a plot they went with. So she's dead now, yeah? But because these dwarves don't understand how dead people are exposed, they like just put her in the middle of the forest in this motherfucking glass coffin just so everybody sees her. Because nobody in these fucking fairy tales cares about decomposition. They're like, no, no, she's gonna be preserved like this forever. And then, what you know, this prince, for no reason yet again, comes upon this coffin one day, you know, as he's wandering around doing his royally duties, clearly in the middle of the fucking forest. And he's like, oh my god, this bitch needs like a proper grave. Why is she so exposed? Maybe she will decompose. And then as he tries to like transport her. Okay, I think like the cartoonish version show that he kisses her and she wakes up. Like the normal versions of it shows like, oh, the normal, under <laughs> inverted commas. Shows like he's transporting her and you know, she trips out of basically the coffin and spits out that piece of, that piece of apple. Because again, digestion, they didn't know how it works. And cool, yeah, they live happily ever after. But at the day of their wedding, the stepmother is again talking to her mirror like a fucking delusional bitch. And she's like, hey mirror, what's up? Who's the most pretty? <laughs> Who's the most beautiful? And the mirror is like, oh, it's the prince's bride. And she's just like, who is the prince? Who is the bride? I didn't approve of any of it. So she just crashes this wedding. And the prince, now knowing that that's the stepmother that wanted her dad, was like, listen, this is what we do. I'm totally not a psychopath. He orders that the stepmother wears a pair of red hot iron slippers and dances them until she drops dead for the attempted murder of Snow White. Are we okay? <laughs> like, the levels. No, we are not going to have her suffer an equal fucking thing. Like, just try to poison her or anything. No, no, no. She is going to suffer. We are going to torture this woman. 
Now, why I truly, truly love Snow White and this fucking story is because somebody, when I have read this, I was like, somebody was more drunk than me, man. Somebody was high for days, okay? So, there was this German historian, right? Of course, the German. <laughs> His name is Eckhart Sander, okay? Eckhart, like Eckhart Tolle, yeah? Mm. So, he thought that Snow White was based on a real person. And when I read it, I was like, okay, you, you have my attention, sir. Which parts did happen? Was there a mirror on the wall? Was somebody tripping highly? Was there seven dwarves? Please explain yourself. Mm. And he was like, no, say no more, Maya. I got you, girl. I got you. So there was this noble woman named Margaret Fall van Dyck in 16th century Bavaria. Or Bavaria, you know, if you're German. She fell in love with a prince who later became Philip II of Spain. And now Margaret's father and stepmother just disapproved of this whole relationship because they found it politically convenient, right? Right. Let's not go into history. Let's not question me about why now. <laughs> so, at the age of 21, Margaret just turns up dead and they're like, oh my god, she must have been poisoned. You know, the Spanish have poisoned our little girl. <laughs> poisoned in Spanish, plays on the screen. And Melanado. Hey, Melanado, okay. So, you're like, okay, cool. That already sounds like it's made to fit this story for some reason because somebody was drunk. But what about the dwarves? You're like, cool, there's a stepmother, there's no mirror, there's no nothing, no magical. But dwarves, <laughs> it's important to fit the dwarves in. So, again, this historian is like, well, the Waldeck family reportedly ran this mine. Uh-huh, you see, mine. Where did dwarves work? In a mine. <laughs> And they employed young children. This is not funny. But who the fuck was fitting the story in? Many of whom suffered from these like severe deformities because of these poor working conditions. So, you know, they didn't see sun much. They couldn't grow because they were young children. So they were dwarves. This totally does not sound like somebody just tried to fit every single part of this story in. The best part, though, is when they tried, they were like, okay, cool, so she was poisoned. But in the story, she's poisoned by an apple. And they're like, mmm. So, <laughs> this historian is like, well, I believe this stems from this uh, historical event. Let's call it a historical event. In German history, like, oh, tell me what historical event. Germany did have plenty of those. Well, there's an old man in this historical event that was arrested for giving poison apples to children who believed they were stealing his fruit. And you're like, event, huh? You see, when you said event, before this was going into like a real story, not just like an occurrence on the streets, that yes, morbid enough, but seriously, what event was the name? Was the name of the children? Was the name of the seller? Has he been arrested? Yeah, you need to have names, you need to have facts to call something an event. Jesus. So yeah, that was one random ass episode, wasn't it? But now, what time it is? It's time to make your mom proud. <laughs> Stop to make your stepmom proud and not get poisoned today. Woo! But be uglier than your stepmom. This is what we learned from all of these fairy tales. Just whatever you do in life, don't let people envy you. Keep get ugly. Today, go and ask your co-workers, do they do things with a purpose? Has their character as well changed where they need to do things that has some sort of purpose or like some sort of explanation in their head? And if so, why? 
struck up a conversation? Are they the person that they have been at uni? And if so, how? How are they still that person? How can you be more chill? And then you immediately switch up a topic like the Maya way, yeah? And you're like, how about, have you ever heard about one of the biggest massacres in US history? I bet you haven't. Name it. Name it for me. And then you twist it yet again and you're like, what cases, what true crime cases? Oh, you're into true crime, yeah? Mm. You, you say you're into true crime, yeah? What cases do you know where the victim was black? Hmm? What cases do you know where about 300 people have died? Hmm? Tell me, tell me, tell me right now. And then because they're going to be freaked out, well, hey, let's talk about a topic that everybody's talking about. New Cardi B video. Have you seen it? Are there hoes in your house? Are there hoes in your house? How do you feel about Rosalia getting about five seconds looking like a fucking goddess in that video while Kylie got about 30? Hmm? Real topics, conversations in these Zoom meetings. Because we are mentally there. We just need to bring it there conversationally. Wow, so deep. It's time for me to escort myself out of your ears and out of this podcast. Mm. Escorting yourself out to your ears sounds so invasive, but then yet so nice. <laughs> Come on, move on with your Monday and move on with your week. There's plenty of this in the library that this came from, so yes, you can definitely binge on all my episodes and interact with me on the socials, you know. If you like miss me between Monday and Monday, <laughs> that was so nicely said. It's like if you miss me during the week, you miss me between Monday and Monday. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna drink again tonight. Listen, fuck this life. <laughs> but yeah, between Monday and Monday, what you do, you keep making the world a better place. One motive at a time. Bye, fuckers. Hawaii by Maluma. Deja de mentirle. La foto que subiste con él diciendo que era tu cielo. Bebé, yo te conozco tan bien. Sé que fue para darme celos. No te diré quién, pero llorando por mí te vieron. Déjame decirte. Se ve que él te trata bien. Que es todo un caballero. Pero eso no cambiará. Que yo llegué primero. Sé que te va a ir bien, pero no te quiere como yo te quiero. <laughs> This song. Puede que no te haga falta nada, aparentemente nada. <laughs> Hawaii de vacaciones, mis felicitaciones. Muy lindo en Instagram lo que posteas. Pa que yo vea. Pa que yo vea cómo te va. Pa que yo vea. <laughs> Now for the best paragraph in that song. Yeah, even better than lo que posteas. Si me preguntas, nadie tiene culpa. A veces los problemas a uno se le juntan. Just, they just, sometimes just the problems come all together. In unison. Déjame hablar, porfa, no me interrumpas. <laughs> si te hice algo malo, entonces discúlpame. But like, you will never know what you did to her because she is, cannot interrumpirte. Because you don't let her speak. Okay. Okay, it's time for me to actually exit this fucking podcast recording. But yeah, lo que posteas, pa que yo vea, okay? Posteen, pa que yo It's not a verb, it's not, we try. Okay, I looked it up at the Real Academia Española because, you know, that's like a legit source. Postear does not have that meaning at all. It's like making a fence, you know, when you put those poles. <laughs> that's, yeah.
<laughs> putting those basically posts to make offense. I could do this forever. <laughs> but yeah, postar Maluma. Let's put it in dictionaries, is it? El Fin. <laughs>